Well, good morning. How we doing? Daryl. <laughs> like, who is that in the back? It's good to see everybody here this morning. You guys ready for Christmas? Okay. Are you physically ready for Christmas? Any, any husbands or fathers in here still need to go get some last-minute gifts? Like myself. <laughs> no? Because uh, I think Amazon's not going to get it here in time. <laughs> not now. A little too late. Uh, go ahead and take your Bibles and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. As you're turning there, um, I do want to say a couple of things. First, I'm amazed how our youth pastor uh, pulled off a children's sermon using uh, little Debbie Christmas tree cakes. That was awesome. Um, also, if you are thinking about taking home a poinsettia, um, for those of you that bought one, um, if you are willing to leave it here for tonight's candlelight service, that would be amazing. Because, I mean, uh, those that decorated the sanctuary did a fantastic job. It looks beautiful in here, and all these poinsettias just really make it just stick out in a, such a good way. And so if you are willing to just leave it here for tonight's candlelight service, that would be great. If you can be here tonight for the candlelight service, we're going to have scripture reading, we're going to have Christmas carols, and we're going to have uh, uh, scripture proclaimed. And so we hope you can be here tonight. Six o'clock afterwards, we are having uh, food. So, I mean, us Southern Baptists, we like to eat. Um, so if you can be here afterwards, that'd be great as well. And if you can help provide some food for tonight, that would be great as well. Um, and so uh, if you can do that, that would help out. All right, Isaiah 9. If you're there, say word. word. All right, well, here at Red Cross, we like to stand in the honor of the reading of Scripture. So if you'll stand with me, we're just looking at verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let's pray. Father God, we are thankful for your word. Help us to see the truth of it this morning in the wonders of Christmas. We thank you, God, for who you are. We thank you for sending your Son, who is the reason for the season. We ask this in your Son's precious hand, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So if you if this is if this is your first Sunday here, or if this is your first Sunday here back in a while, um, we have been going through Isaiah 9-6 for Advent this year, um, looking at the fourfold name of Christ that Isaiah gave to him. We looked at wonderful counselor, where Christ is our wisdom, because sin has made us Fools, and we need wisdom to know how to be saved. Christ is that wisdom for us, and He is the one who saves us and leads us to new life. Last week we looked at how Christ is our mighty God. This is a title for Lord. He is strong. He is our protector, our provider, and He prevailed for us on our behalf. And so we see that in in Christ as our mighty God. Today we are looking at Christ as our everlasting Father. Now, one of the greatest scenes in TV history 
in my opinion, is from the 90s television show, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, starring Will Smith. I love that show. It's fantastic. They don't make TV like they used to, you know. Um, but in this particular episode, Will Smith's biological father comes back into the picture. His biological father had abandoned him and his mother when Will was a child. Um, and as Will, who is a teenager now, he gets all excited because now his dad has decided to come back into the picture and to take Will on a trip. Well, as he packs his bag and waits for his dad, he buys his dad a gift as well to give to him. And not to anybody's surprise, the father decides to back out and lies about having work to do and lies to Will about postponing the trip. Now, one of the greatest lines that... continuously breaks my heart out of the entire series. And, and, and like they'll even share this clip on social media sometimes. But Will, who is upset and makes remarks such as, I'm not going to be a father like that. I'm going to love my children unlike how he loved me. I was able to, to grow up without him. I'm fine. But then he gets upset and his heart starts breaking and he leans into his Uncle Phil. Remember Uncle Phil, right? He leans into his Uncle Phil and he says these words. He says, how come he don't want me, man? How come he doesn't want me? It's heartbreaking. What Will portrayed in that episode is nothing that is uncommon in our culture. We have children who have absentee fathers. We have children who have absentee parents. And you may be in here this morning and you may have never known your father... You may uh, have a stained relationship with your father. You may have been abused by your father. You may not get to see your father as often as you'd like, and you may not have your father here with you today. But what we are going to see from Scripture this morning is Jesus Christ, who Isaiah tells us is our everlasting Father. Now, before we go any further, what I want to explain to you is this, is when we look at the Trinity... We see that Christ is the second person of the Trinity. You've got God the Father, you've got God the Son, you've got God the Holy Spirit. Christ is the Son of God. So Isaiah is not trying to explain to us here that Jesus is also the Father. That's modalism, Patrick. You, you cannot do that. Okay? Christ is not the Father. But what Isaiah is trying to explain here... By calling Christ the everlasting Father, is He's trying to show us that He has the character of an everlasting Father. That what Christ does when He comes, He shows us the love and care of a true Father. Jesus says in John 14, 9, If you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And what Isaiah shows us is Christ's actions will be like that of a loving loving Father. Check out today's main idea if you've got your bulletin. Today's main idea is this. Because Christ cares for us as a Father, we can trust in His everlasting love. Because He cares for us as a Father, like a Father, we can trust in His everlasting love. 
And I've got three ways that we can see that. Three ways that we can trust in Christ's everlasting love. What we need to understand is, is with Christmas, too often we want to preach a manger. But what we need to understand is, is it's not Christmas without the cross. That Christ came for a reason. We're not just celebrating just because Christ came to earth. We're celebrating because Christ came as God to fulfill a purpose. And that was to live the life that we couldn't live and to die the death that we deserved. And he shows us this in his character of being an everlasting father. He shows us this in his everlasting love towards us. He shows us this in his care towards us. And so let's go ahead and jump in. So we got three ways that we can trust in his everlasting love. We can trust that he will never leave us. First one, we can trust that he will never leave us. Now, there are many people who have had a hard time seeing God as their father because of how their own father has treated them. Some people have a hard time viewing God as father because of how their father has treated them. Whether it's abuse or neglect or abandonment. What we need to realize is that we must not look at God through the lens of our father, of our biological father, of our earthly father, of our adopted father, whatever you want to look at. We are not to look at God through those lens. We are to look at our fathers through the lens of God. We must not judge God as our father by how our own father has treated us. Now, I've been fortunate. I've had a great dad. He might tell you otherwise, but I've had a great dad. He's a fantastic father. I am the father to my kids today because of the father that he was to me. Now, he's not perfect. He'll tell you that, but he tries. We've had arguments. We've butted heads. If you know my dad then you probably know me because we are too much alike. Physically and mentally. But it took me till I turned 30, (laughs) 31, to realize that what my dad had taught me all those years that he has raised me, even up to today, he's been right this whole time. So teenagers, your, your parents are right, whether you like it or not. You need to live up to it. But I've been fortunate with a kind and loving father who would do anything for me. Now, there are some people in this room who probably have not been in that situation. I don't know. I don't know everybody's situation within this room. I don't know what kind of family life you grew up in. But I can promise you this, that Jesus Christ will never leave us. He is the everlasting Father that we have always wanted and always needed. He is the everlasting Father that that our soul craves. That's who He is to us. One of the saddest things that I've had to come to grips with is the fact that eventually my Father is going to leave me. Unless I leave first. If I keep eating Christmas tree little Debbie cakes, it might happen sooner than I think. But eventually my Father will pass. And that breaks my heart to think of a, of a day when I won't have them. And eventually I'll pass and my kids will not have me anymore. 
Some of you in this room don't have your fathers anymore. And I know that it's hard. But Christ will never leave us. Because first, He is present. Ever present. Always present. He is always holding us. Matthew 28, 20, Jesus says, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Hebrews 13, 5, He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Ever present. Ever present, church. That's Christ to us. That no matter what trial we go through, no matter what situation we may face, no matter what illness we encounter, Christ is ever present. Secondly, He is powerful. Now my dad has always been the strongest man that I know. Because he has to live with, with my mom. But Christ is all powerful. He is the everlasting Father who is ever present with us. And the power that He has, He is constantly empowering us with. So that we can face each and every single day of this life. Christmas is a hard season, which is what we've discussed the past few weeks. It brings up feelings. It brings up memories. It brings up the fact that there are people in our lives that we don't have anymore, that there are, there are things we can't do, that there, there are ways we can't provide for our children. Christmas is hard for a lot of people. But what we can trust in is the fact that Christ is all-powerful. And that no matter what we face, Christ is going to be there with us to empower us through it. And thirdly, He keeps His promises. Parents, let me tell you something. If you promise your kids something, you better do it. My kids are only five and almost three. And they know when I make a promise, they remind me of it. And I know we're not going to be able to keep all of our promises. But man, Christ does. Christ keeps His promises. When He says He's going to be ever-present with us, He's going to do that. When He says that He's going to empower us, He's going to do that. When He says that He loves us and cares for us, He does. He's a good God. And we take Him for granted each and every day. So first, we see that He will never leave us. Second, He will never lose us. <laughs> I've got a confession to make. Are you ready for it? I lost Trevin in Disney World. I'm not joking. We were in this caged-in area that I thought was caged in. And we, it was a, a little play place where they can run up and down and slide down stuff. And, and it wasn't the first time that we had been in this area of the park. And uh, Tara wanted to take Jaden to go ride a ride that Trevin couldn't fit on because he's too small. And so she wanted me to keep an eye <laughs> on Trevin in this play place. Well, th- again, it's not the second time we've been in here. And I'm like, okay, the only thing they can go is up and then back down. And I'm sitting near the gate that they go through. So, I mean, like... Nobody's going to try to grab him either because he's mean. So can't lose him. 
Guys, 10 minutes goes by and I hadn't seen Trevin. And I'm looking around for him. And I start walking around. This thing's got tunnels, you know, and every parent knows this situation. You're already freaking out. And you're thinking of worst case scenario. And I'm wondering if I'm going to have to lay into somebody that's about to grab my child. So I'm walking around looking for him. Where's my kid at? Can't find him. Another five or ten minutes rolls around. I'm like, oh, no, I got to go call somebody. Don't tell my wife, but I got to find my kid. Well, then here comes my worst nightmare. My wife walks into the park with Jaden, smiles and giggles. And where's Trevin? (laughs) Honey, I don't know. She's like, well, how long has he been gone? (laughs) I don't know. So she starts walking around and she takes, she goes up. I'm, I'm staying down so, you know, nobody goes out of the gate. And, and then she comes down and she's like, Jesse, come this way. And so I follow her. I'm like, Oh man, I'm not going to hear the end of this. She found him and I'm going to get yelled at. Come to find out. I didn't know this. There's a bridge that cuts across the parkway that I don't know why they did this. Um, but, but you can get on this bridge and it takes you to this area where you're digging for dinosaur bones and it's caged in. You can't go anywhere. But that's where he was. I had no idea this place existed. And my wife was like, he's been in there digging bones. Okay, good. I'm going to bury him in it because I couldn't find him. I lost my child. This past week, we watched Home Alone for the first or not for the first time, but for the first time in years. And some of y'all made fun of me on social media for talking about this. But how can a parent fly out of the country and forget their child at the house? I still don't understand that. They lost their kid. But you see, here's the thing, church. Christ will never lose us. I've been lost as a kid. Don't let my parents lie to you. They've lost me a few times. I ran off. See, Christ never loses us. First thing we see is He holds us. He holds us. You see, your salvation is not found in how strong your hold is on Christ It's found in His hold on you. You can try to pull away. You can twist and turn. You can rebel all you want. But if Christ has a hold on you, He's not going to let you go. He holds us. Jude tells us that in in the first or, or second verse. He tells us that Christ who holds us. And secondly, He keeps us. He keeps us. He holds us and He never lets us go. Church, you might there might be somebody in here this morning who has probably never been at church in a long time. Or who's probably wrestling with the fact that why would, why would such, a, such a loving God love me? I'm, I'm, I'm a horrible human being. The thoughts that I have, the things that I've done. Let me tell you, Christ holds us. If we've put our faith and trust in Him, if we've given our lives to Him, and we feel like that when we mess up, that we have to rededicate our life back to Him, or we have to get saved again, no! Christ never lets us go if we've truly given our life to Him. There's no sin you can commit in your life that causes you to lose your salvation. 
As an everlasting father, his love for you is everlasting. His hold on you is everlasting. The grace that he gives you is everlasting. Please understand that. Rest in that. Rest in the fact that he holds us and keeps us. He never loses us. And thirdly, thirdly, he will never let us down. He'll never let us down. He will never fail us. He's faithful. As as an everlasting father, he he is faithful to us. It's it's sad that we live in a world today where we have parents who are not faithful to their children. It's sad that we live in that kind of world today. But here's the thing. Is that maybe you have had a parent who wasn't faithful to you. Turn to the one who never fails you. Turn to the Savior who is ever faithful for you. Because understand this, church. We see His faithfulness by what He was willing to do and did do. Christ who was born in a manger. Born into poverty. To show us that it's not about riches. That it's not about social structure or social class but to show us it's all about grace and love. This Christ who was born in a manger lived the life that we could not live, the life that we should have lived, a holy life, a blameless life. And He lived it so perfectly that He fulfilled the law on our behalf to where when He went to the cross, He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. He was our sacrificial Lamb. You want to you talk about how faithful Christ is to His children? Look at the fact that, that when Christ went to the cross, He had nobody. The majority of the apostles had abandoned Him. One of them had betrayed Him. If we look at the Gospel of John, it's John who stood by His side. Then there was Mary... But he was spat upon, ridiculed, tortured. Imagine the excruciating pain that our Savior went through. It's like the type of sacrifice a loving father would take upon for their children. Christ is our everlasting Father who was faithful to us. He's faithful to us. And secondly, He is gracious. He is gracious. Church, we don't deserve the care and the love that Christ shows us. We don't. Paul says that Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost, of whom I am the worst. And church, I can tell you right now, there's probably no person in this room that is a worse sinner than I am. But Christ is gracious. 
willing to give his life for those who will believe in him. Only a loving father would do that. Understand, Christ is not the father of the Trinity, but the character that he showed us and that continues to show us each and every day is the love and care like a father has for his children. And that's what Isaiah is trying to show us here as everlasting father. And he's never ending, never failing. 